afternoon. It's Tuesday, the 18th of May, the year of our Lord, 2021. And it's just coming up to quarter past 12 in the afternoon here in the UK. We're back with the Good Life Show with my dear friend, Clive DeCarl. How are you? Very well, thank you, Lou. Lovely to speak to you again. So, Clive, I messaged you earlier and I said, I think we need to talk about global food shortages and uh, how we stay healthy. And that was kind of on a, if it went on for like months and months. And uh, your your response to me was? Um, well, I think it was along the lines of a lot of people will be dead. Yes, something um, along those lines. But well, nobody, nobody really anymore knows how to grow food. And even if they did, it, it's, I, I was an organic farmer for 10 years. So I know actually how easy or how difficult it can be. And... Um, you know, if, if there were food shortages in winter, if people weren't stocked up with stuff and you want enough for your neighbours as well because you don't want them knocking on your door, uh, you know, because they, they will, obviously. If people are hungry, obviously you have to share what you have. And so, you know, anybody who wanted to put away a, a store of food would really have to put away quite a lot. Yeah. So, so for instance, let's just say we're not... Let's not scare the life out of everybody. Let's just say, for instance, OK, we've got the bit of gas and oil shortages going on in America. Uh, it's kind of kicking off all over the place, as those who followed Q uh, were expecting. And us guys who have followed Q are just sitting back watching the show while everyone's going into complete turmoil. But, uh, for instance, we have a few days, 10 days, say, and we want to stay healthy what do you suggest are the best things storable that people can go and get stocked up on that will keep them healthy fit and not ill and pleasant of vitamins minerals and all good things okay well i can tell you what i've got here for myself and my family and friends and neighbors which is I've got um, quite a few kilos of vitamin C. You know, vitamin C is, is so important, particularly um, uh, in winter, particularly when there aren't fresh fruits and vegetables around to get your vitamin C from. And it really is the answer for almost everything. Uh, there's a wonderful book by a medical doctor, Dr. Thomas Levy, called Curing the Incurable, where... He's shown that for the last 80 years or something like that, vitamin C has been used by medical doctors to reverse pretty much everything that we would call a virus. Uh, they were reversing polio, smallpox, uh, the flu, the cold, uh, anything uh, that we might consider contagious or infectious, that sort of class of uh, material. Vitamin C in high doses uh, pretty much overcomes all of it you know, most bacteria as well. So if you've got enough vitamin C, it's one of the absolute keys to being well. So that's super important. It's not that expensive. Now, the next one I would say would be magnesium because if things went a little bit pear-shaped, well, you'd certainly be stressed. And the thing that you need to keep yourself calm is magnesium. So, and if one hurt oneself, one might suddenly have to be doing more physical stuff than before. Magnesium would be great so you didn't suffer so much from aches or pains or anything like that. Then for the winter, vitamin D. Absolutely essential to have vitamin D in winter if you're not getting enough sunshine. 
you're like, did you get an infection? Uh, if you know, if that's you know, what we describe as an infection, like a viral type thing, uh, with enough vitamin D, that shouldn't happen. You know, I started taking vitamin D in winter 15 years ago or so. Never had a cold or anything ever since ever, not once. And I used to get it every year. So those would be three big essentials. Iodine would be very useful because. Um, let's say that for some reason the water wasn't available to you and you had to go to a stream or, or whatever the closest water source is and you wanted to make sure it was safe to drink, just like the council adds chlorine to the water, you could add iodine to the water, which would actually be the better choice of the two. And uh, really no bacteria, virus, fungus can withstand iodine. It, it, you, you can you know, be pretty assured if you put the right amount in that the water should be safe to drink after you've left it for a little while. Um, if you didn't have iodine and you really were worried about the water but had to drink it, uh, squeezing a lemon into it if you had one, leaving it for, let's say, 12 hours would do a pretty good job. So then uh, maybe you're eating stuff that's not good for your stomach, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, then having some charcoal around would be pretty good to um, uh, neutralize that, n not activated charcoal, but just real charcoal. Then um, from a food perspective, you can get fresh, freshly grown food at any time of year, no matter what the weather. And how you can do that is to take something like uh, lentils or pretty much any seed that you might think of, uh, pretty much any pulse and soak it and sprout it and now you've got a material seed which is packed with life potential life and you've taken that potential and made it real so the seeds now have way more nutrients than they did before the water got added and they got reanimated you know the difference between death and life so uh i would suggest that people might want to stock up with whatever they like i mean i quite like chickpeas so i i've got um uh, some bags of chickpeas just dried and if i keep them well which i do uh sealed up then they'll last uh, for years and years and years uh, conceivably hundreds of years uh, you know seeds often have that capability so um you know you want fresh food or you can sprout any of the salad seeds you know you can sprout celery seeds you can sprout broccoli seeds you can sprout alfalfa there are many seeds that you can sprout, which actually make quite a delicious salad if you like that kind of thing. And I would say that's a really healthy emergency food to have. Um, from a protein perspective, obviously there is protein in uh, things like chickpeas and, and beans. But the important thing really is that protein from uh, animals or fish is, is much more bioavailable. So... I've actually got a stock of cans of sardines. I quite like canned sardines. Not something I'd eat normally. I'd eat, if I wanted sardines, I'd eat fresh ones, which are incredibly cheap, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, in an emergency, I've got that sort of fish protein. Uh, I haven't got anything meat saved up, but if I, um, if I was into it, I might get, you know, salamis or something sort of thing you you know, that they hang up throughout winter. Yeah, it's always winter that's the issue, really, with food, because... How do you get through a cold winter where nothing's growing? And you know, we'll talk in, in a bit about fermentation uh, as a way to do that. But uh, most of my ancestors, for instance, would have 
taken things like uh, joints of meat and, and hung, hung them up or smoked them or you know, uh, dried them out, cured them, uh, so that they would have a stock for a long period of time that wouldn't go off. So other things that I keep, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so I don't want to have a low blood sugar event, so I've got loads of green sultanas. Now, I mean, you can buy sultanas and raisins and so on, but there are a few types of sultanas from around the world that actually taste significantly different and uh, I quite like the, the, the green sultanas. You don't seem to see them in the shops, but you can order them online easily enough, and they're pretty much the same price as, as the other ones-ish. Uh, and so sultanas give you all sorts of minerals or raisins, you know, any of that, that group of dried grape, like boron. You know, boron is, is fantastic for anybody who's got any hormonal issues or arthritis or, or so on, boron is very important. So raisins uh, provide a good uh, food source that's quite dense. You, know, you don't need Boron! To... Sorry a minute. Boron. Where where do you get boron from? What's boron? Boron. I don't know. But boron is a mineral and it was first found in borax. And borax is a, it's a white powder that's mined, uh, big mines in the United States. And they used to use it as like a washing powder. You know, our great, great, great grandparents would have washed the clothes probably in a solution of borax so it's very safe you know, obviously if you wash in anything you're absor absorbing it through the skin so somebody's washing in chemical washing powder by hand then that that those chemicals are going right into the body but with borax uh, actually it didn't do anybody any harm it did quite a lot of people good borax apart from being good in some cases for arthritis uh, borax uh, neutralizes fluoride. So if you're about to have a bath in tap water, let's say it had fluoride and it had chlorine in it, you could neutralize the chlorine with a, a spoonful of vitamin C and you could neutralize uh, the fluoride with borax. And the main ingredient of borax is boron. Right. And, um, uh, so um, what other important things? Well, I, I've actually got a stock of nuts, really well sealed, because you don't want them to oxidize. Um, and uh, again, in, in many cases, depending on what it is, you can soak the nut and bring it bring it to life. Again, adding way more nutrition than would be there in the, in the dormant nut. Um, oh, really? I didn't know. I mean, I can't eat any, I cannot touch any nut. And I never want to touch any nut. The whole psychological thing around nuts with me i've nearly died three times and the last time was horrific and if it wasn't for a, a little local chemist who ended up stabbing me with about eight EpiPens and getting a doctor down to intravenously put in uh, adrenaline i wouldn't be here so i would never even if somebody said they could get over it because i'm sure you'd be able to help me try out but i actually don't want to do it I don't want to try a nut because the psychological stigma attached to an anaphylaxic shock. Oh, but I didn't know about the story because I, you know, my, my kids eat nuts and family. Uh, tell us how to how to get more nutrients out of, say, I don't know, your, your standard Brazil nuts, walnuts, and things. What do they need to do? Well, assuming that they're raw. 
you may find that you're able to sprout it, just like you can sprout a sunflower seed or a pumpkin seed. If they haven't been irradiated, um, you know, their, their potential life. Uh, you could grow, a, you could grow, uh, you know, a walnut tree from a walnut. You could plant a chestnut and grow a chestnut. You know, so, um, you know, if you just soak uh, a nut or a seed, um, then if it's viable, it will sprout, won't it? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, so, now we're looking at if we've got to have stocking up, because I have a little, I have a little uh, emergency supply cupboard, but it's full of tomato soup, chicken soup, spaghetti, ravioli, uh, tins of custard. Is there anything else? Uh, is this, can I add, I've got a couple of tins of carrots and tins of peas. Uh, I think there's even, a, I think I've even got a couple of tins of spam. Um, what else should we put in? Because, you you know, you can go to the supermarket, and I know during the war, because I can remember my great aunt always saying during the last World War, you know, they were living off tins of minced beef. Um, so, you, and you can, you can actually get, like, chicken casserole in a can, can't you, and things like that. Would you recommend any of these for emergency supplies, Clive? Well, uh, the way I would look at it is that if we're, we're in an emergency and food were to become scarce, then what you'd want from the, the food that you've got is the maximum nutrition you can get out of it. So how much nutrients are in custard compared to, if we're talking about cans, what else could you put in the can that actually would keep your kids a lot healthier than eating a tin of custard? Because, yeah. I mean, custard at the end of the day is sugar and emul you know, emulsifiers maybe to make it thick. I mean, who knows? But that's. I do like a bit of custard, though. Can't be a bit of can't be of ambrosia custard as a comfort food. You'll probably slaughter me for saying this. Well, no, no, I, I can. I as can, a treat. Yes, I, I. You know, I understand the na nature of addiction. The. Um, <laughs> uh, but but I mean, actually, you know, I have had the the luxury of having uh, had homemade custard. You know, with really good eggs and cream and stuff. And, um, you know, doing it yourself, if you're using, if you can get good ingredients, custard, real custard, I think is just fabulous. Well, we'll have to try that then. I'll have yeah. to try that. But, I mean, so, I okay, so what, needs to be in, what else needs to be in the cover? Let's forget the custard. Let's think about the tin stuff, the spam and the, the minced beef in tins. I mean, they, got, they, they managed it through World War Two. Yes. Well, um, personally, the... I haven't got any tins, I don't think. I should, no, I have. I've got some tins of tomato puree because, again, they're small and potent. You know, one tin of tomato puree is quite powerful, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, because I haven't got a lot of storage uh, at my house to keep stuff, you know. So, uh, I've got to, got to think strategically. So, generally, the stuff I have got is dried. I've got some black rice. Now, it's not wild wild rice, it's black rice, which is actually sort of a slightly different species and the healthiest of the rices. So my children like uh, rice. And so uh, I've got some black rice, doesn't take up that much space. And you can have, you can buy it in 25 kilo sacks, you know, and then that's, that's, you know, if the tides got tough, well, that's going to last a while. You know, a couple of cans of custard and it's gone. Yes, um, that's true. Uh, let me just take you over to my store cupboard and I'll tell you what I've got because I really have aimed for, for the most nutritious food. So, um, okay, so what I've got, 
I've got um, I've got big Kilner jars which I bought cheap on online. So glass jars that you you know you can seal yeah, that rubber yeah. seal. So I've got a big jar full of pumpkin seeds. Next to that, I've got nutritional yeast flakes. Uh, next to that, I've got Hunza apricots. And if you've never had a Hunza dried apricot, you've never lived. They're totally different to English apricots. Hunza is H-U-N-Z-A. If you can find them online, get those. Then next to that, I've got hibiscus flowers because I like hibiscus tea. Uh, next to that, I've got a big jar of sunflower seeds. Then I've got all sorts of other seeds, mustard seeds, poppy seeds, a whole seed seed department. Then I've got the sultanas, nuts, uh, dates, uh, more sunflower seeds, cashew nuts, lots and lots of chickpeas, um, lots and lots of Celtic salt. So I'm not going to run out of salt. I need to get some of that Celtic salt, actually. Now, I've got big jars of wild honey, uh, for, forest honey. Um, and uh, I, I went online and I bought quite a lot of different honeys. And they were all dramatically different. And I found one that was just stunning. And so I've got two, two big, big pots of that. I've got, um, I'm going to look at more seeds. I've got loads of powders. I've got... Camu Camu extract, which is a natural form of vitamin C. I've got organic beetroot powder. I've got baobab powder. I've got various teas. I've got um, uh, everything from some chestnuts, uh, you know, all, all dried, basically, just red, ready to go, but not taking up much space. I've got things like chili flakes. I've got ooh, another packet of tea. I've got lots of um, raw chocolate powder, loads of it, because I love chocolate. And I've got loads of maca powder, which is an ideal sweetener if you don't want to use sugar, because I try to avoid sugar at, at all costs if I can. And um, uh, I've got some flour, and I've got dried yeast, and I've got dried sourdough mix as well. Pasta. Uh, I have got some pasta, um, uh, but um, I like pasta, but I, I, um, I, I try not to eat too much of it, put it that way. No, I know. I, I love it. But um, there was also, I remember you put me on this, was it skinny noodles, they were called, and they were like rice. It's almost like spaghetti. I haven't actually seen any of those. I haven't seen them around recently. Yeah. Maybe I haven't been looking for them. Yeah, I, I think they never caught on. They were made from um, a type of yam called konjac, K-O-N-J-A-K. Oh, right. And you can find them. They're, they're still still for sale. And you um, uh, you just have to rinse them really, really well. And they 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 work quite... If you, th if you think you're eating in a Thai restaurant, you're eating rice noodles, they taste exactly... Well, it's very similar to that, that texture... Yeah. But the more you eat, the, the more weight you lose. And this, this was the thing about it. You know, um, they're, they're sort of almost indigestible. So uh, you get the feeling that you're eating rice noodles, whereas in actual fact, the more you eat, the thinner you get. That's, that's the principle, apparently. Yeah, I did have them for a while. That's probably why I put on so much weight. Um, OK, so we've got our seeds. Um, 
what about things like oats for porridges to keep? You know, is is that uh, is that wise? Are you a fan of oats? Okay, well, our ancestors, if we were living in Scotland or something, uh, would have eaten oats that um, were ground between stones, stone ground, in other words. And you can buy stone ground oats. You know, the, the issue uh, with most oats, the cheap stuff, is is it's steel milled. And when you steel mill a, mo a lot of grains, it creates heat, which damages the, the nutrition in the grain. But if it's stone ground, it's much more likely to be f fully uh, uh, full of the nutrients. But the thing is, if you can grind it yourself, it's a whole different ball game. Um, somebody showed me, I mean, 20 years ago or something, they were showing me this uh, grinder, old-fashioned grinder, and they put fresh oats in there, ground it, and they said, just eat a bit of the dried oats. And because they'd been freshly ground, they actually tasted quite nice. It was really surprising. But within like five or ten minutes, they'd oxidised uh, to a degree where you lost that actual sort of aliveness. And um, so uh, another way to do it is to uh, sprout the oats, you know, and then, then dry them and grind them up. But, you know, uh, really, all food if it's done naturally, the old-fashioned way, you know, is healthy. It doesn't, you know, when I was young, nobody had a problem with bread or anything like that because it was made properly then as opposed to now. And so, you know, if you're going, if you're going to be going back to being self-reliant for a little time, you want to do it like, like our ancestors did and you store stuff, uh, in, you know, in a sensible way until, until you need it. So if you haven't got a cellar, then drying stuff out. You dry, I've got some dried tomatoes, for instance. You, know, you can dry out a lot of things and rehydrate them. Dried mushrooms. You know, I mean, you, you can live like a king on dried food if, you, if you're clever about it. I mean, obviously, fresh is much better. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the reasons why our ancestors lived by water, because if there's no food to eat, there's always fish in the sea or fish in the river. That's true. That's true. Okay, so now what about for fermenting food? Because that, again, would be something perfect if you've got a stock of it, if there was a global crash uh, with fermented food. Now, my, my grandfather was Polish. He would always go on about his, his sauerkraut, um, and he was always fermenting. Can you explain to listeners what is fermenting? And why it, uh, what the benefits are for your health in fermenting, and how it could help if we had a shortage. Well, um, certainly, you know, at the end of a harvest, our ancestors had extra onions and cabbages and whatever. That well, what were they going to do do with them? All the neighbours were growing, obviously, all their own food. So there were often gluts of food at harvest time. Tomatoes you know, onions, peppers, whatever it might be. So imagine you got a, a, a glass kilner jar, you know, mason jar in America, and uh, uh, you chopped up the onions and the tomatoes and the peppers and uh, whatever else you had, garlic, and you added some salt so it tastes nice, and then you uh, filled the jar up with as much of the vegetable material as you can, and then you pour in some water just to make sure now it, it's wet enough uh, to make, uh, if you like, uh, 
ferment it in, into a sort of pickled type thing. So you put the lid on and you put it in, in a dark cupboard for a week. And when you open it, open it up again, um, it's like you sort of make a popping sound uh, as the fermentation has created the bubbles. And now it should taste quite vinegary. Now, to, to explain this properly, uh, what you want to do is to understand that if you put loads of chopped up vegetables, could be cabbage as in sauerkraut, um, and uh, then you fill it up with water, everything below the water line will ferment. Anything sticking out the top will will rot, you know, go, go sort of mouldy. So what you want to do when you're making a ferment is you put something on top, like a, a saucer or way down with a rock or something, just to make sure that all the vegetables are underneath the water line, not above. Uh, and that's about the only thing you, you really have to watch out for. I did uh, make a beetroot and red cabbage ferment and left it too long. And I took it out of the cupboard after I don't know, a couple of weeks or something. And I opened uh, the, the lid and it went bam and splattered purple all over me, over the ceiling and over the walls and floor. So you can build up a lot of pressure. So it's good, wise to open them reasonably often. So you know, if you do a ferment like that, um, generally speaking, after a week, it tastes quite nice. You know, it's, it's, it's gone vinegary and the vegetables are still crunchy. And so you left it another week, you, know, you resealed it, put it back in the dark cupboard again, took it out after two weeks. Then uh, you'll probably find it's got quite a bit more vinegary and maybe the vegetables aren't so crunchy anymore. They're beginning to go soft. And if you left it for four weeks or eight weeks or however, it's going to continue maturing and you'll find the level at which you like the taste. And myself with sauerkraut, for instance, I'm not that keen on pickled cabbage, quite honestly. However, the juice of the pickled cabbage, I think, tastes delicious. So if I'm going to make a sauerkraut, I'm going to make it very watery, right? Just the right amount of salt to... Uh, please my palate, and I'll probably put some chili and garlic and uh, you know whatever I've, whatever I've got around. You could add herbs, whatever, and then um, I probably won't eat much of the sauerkraut itself, but I'll just drink the juice. And so you're making your own probiotics. You could you know you could buy liquid probiotics at whatever twenty pounds, thirty pounds for a month's worth, or for very little effort, you can make make it yourself. I mean, you know, you can. Pickle cucumbers, you can pickle peppers, you can pickle pretty pretty much anything you like. And um, it's it's very effective and you can make them and store them. Yes, they'll get stronger over time, but uh, you, know, you might like that too. You need less of it. But as a condiment, you know, something to serve on the side that's going to make sure your bacteria in your gut, you know, your immune system is firing on all cylinders. You know, really good, healthy thing to do and there's a fantastic video online by dr john bergman if you put in dr john bergman and fermentation he shows you in half an hour how, how to do it very very clearly um i've i've got a video too on fermentation and if you put uh, clive to carl and kefir k-e-f-i-r onto youtube there's a video showing you how to uh, prepare kefir which is a fermented drink. And classically, kefir is made from milk, but I show how to make it uh, using uh, water instead of uh, milk and adding either fruit or sugar. 
the sugar gets completely turned into, uh, you know, if you like, uh, from, uh, you know, it's fermented into alcohol and then vinegar. Um, but uh, incredibly healthy. I've seen people with all sorts of terrible uh, gut problems who've uh, drunk the water kefir for a few days and, you know, their diarrhea or whatever it's been, which they've had for months, stops. You know, not saying it's going to happen in every case, but really often. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic, Clive. Now, I know tomorrow you are going on with our friend of the show, my other co-host, Mr. Jason Nota. You're going to be doing a Facebook Live with him tomorrow. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, all listeners, Clive uh, will be on with our Jason tomorrow evening at 8.30 live. Um, I've got some products all going up on the website with a link if you click Clive's picture on the website, which I think has been done. Um, if you click Clive's picture, it will take you there to the shop for all his fantastic products and also the secret health club. And I can't tell you any more about it because it's that secret. I don't know if you want to give any secrets away, Clive. Um, well, yeah, it's just very simple, really. Uh, you know, over the years I've collected an awful lot of articles and videos which are, I think, crucial uh, for recovery. People want to restore their health. And it's an A to Z of um, not too much information, but enough that you feel that you can master your own health, uh, hopefully. So there's, there's lots of that. In a club, by joining a club, um, I can put videos up that YouTube would never allow, you know, never allow. So, um, and there's discounts and stuff. Yeah, it, it's good. It's, it, it's, it's a great, it's a great resource, I think. And my next step is we're going to put it onto USB sticks. And in the event that, um, you know, you couldn't get access to the internet or something like that. Well, that's quite possibly going to happen with our, uh, maybe 10 days of darkness. Well, um, I've no idea. Um, but, uh, if it did happen, but and you still had a you know battery power or a bit of solar power or something to run your computer, then if you had a health problem, you can just plug in uh, the Secret Health Club and all the videos uh, and articles are there. So that that's what I'm planning to do next with it, which hopefully won't take that long. And um, I'd just like to come back to the whole survival thing. Yeah, please. Uh, last year, I got the chance to use a solar oven, which is basically... Um, so using mirrors to focus the sun's rays, and even if the, even if they're thin clouds, it still works, just a bit slower. And I cooked several things with the solar oven, and it was rather fun. You know, obviously you had to be outside, no good if it's raining. But um, it took a bit longer than normal cooking, but it it was really really quite fun and. You know, again, if you had, if you wanted to cook, cook stuff, well, how are you going to do it? You could have fires and everything, but but the oven, it was just a nice thing. You know, you obviously you don't you don't, you don't need a solar oven, but it's worth looking at. Um, there are water filtration systems that are gravity fed uh, that don't need electricity to run. Survival uh, straws as well, aren't there? You can get those survival straws. Yes, and basically, as I understand it, what that is is slow dosing iodine. And that's that's what they're doing. Um, so okay. they're, they're making it safe because they're adding tiny amounts of iodine. 
uh, I, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how the life straw works. And uh, yeah, a very cheap way to, uh, you know, life straws, super good. You know, in their adverts, you see people drinking puddle water and all sorts of not quite, you know, what you actually wouldn't want to drink um, and neutralized immediately. Uh, I personally, I would, uh, if, if I had the opportunity, uh, get, get uh, three or four chickens. Uh, or ducks if you have water because um, for a lot of the year you're getting eggs and super healthy food eggs you can imagine you know the whole Easter thing and oh, I hate uh, eggs I wish I could eat them mum kept me away from them because of eczema and problems and then my brother was very ill he had to stay away from all dairy eggs especially so we just never had eggs and I now I, I ugh, don't like eggs Oh, well, this is uh, unfortunate. I'm sure you find something else that's delicious. Um, yeah, custard. <laughs> and, uh, custards are eggs. Joke. That was a joke. <laughs> there is a slight discrepancy there, isn't there? Yeah, just had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue, Clive. Sorry, interrupting you. That's all right. Um, OK, what else? Um... A friend of mine had a very damp area, like a, a wall that, that was always damp, and he stacked up uh, oat logs, uh, injected them with various different types of um, edible and medicinal mushrooms, and um, kept it was always damp where, where he lived, and he didn't have to do very much. I think he probably had to water it occasionally. And he had, literally had a wall of mushrooms at various times of year. Wow. That's good. Yeah, I'm liking this. I wouldn't mind a couple of chickens. Yeah, well, I, I used to keep. But chickens. I don't eat eggs, so they wouldn't be for my purpose. But I just just. Well, you could trade you, you could trade them. Very tradable commodity eggs. Yeah. Saying that, I'd just probably find it brought into the house. My cat has the ability to catch. It's say like he's brought in seagulls. You know, I have the king of cats. Wow. So I don't know how long. I don't know how long a chicken would survive with my beast. So, uh, before I was famous, I'll just, I'll just eat the cat. That was yeah. no. um, Okay, good. So uh, there, there are a few other things I could suggest. Um, uh, I'm looking in front of me uh, at a book, knowing we we're going to talk about this. I just uh, raced to the bookshelf five minutes before the show and got out a book called How to Stay Alive in the Woods. Oh. And um, uh, it, you know, it, it really tells you everything you need to stay alive in the woods. Uh, it looks really difficult to stay alive in the woods, uh, but um, uh, it tells you how to, how to sort of get or make everything you need for self-preservation uh, anywhere, it says. Oh, wow. I know there's a YouTube channel with a guy who, I think he's in Sweden, and he literally goes out into the woods and he makes... He makes his own kiln out of just the mud. He makes a kiln and then he makes his own slate tiles and he's completely self-sufficient and he is incredible. I mean, what a genius idea because this guy, the views on this guy's videos are unbelievable. And it's literally, he, he's got this area, he goes in the woods and he starts, and you should see what he makes. And, he, you know, he'll just update it. And I think now it's a fully working home with an oven in there, you know, for stone, uh, clay oven. 
the whole thing, it's incredible. I really do, um, I do recommend people going and just having a look. I can't remember the name of the channel, but it's, it's some guy. There's, he doesn't talk through it. It's all silent with just a little bit of music in the background, and he, he goes through the whole thing, and it's fascinating how he, you know, literally a whole house made, and then he goes out and does his foraging. So you like a bit of foraging, don't you, Clive? I do like a bit of foraging, and later on I was planning to pick some more wild garlic because the wild garlic's just coming near to the end now, and I wanted to make lots of wild garlic pesto. And again, I, I can, if I put enough uh, olive oil in there, um, it'll keep, you know, long term uh, in the fridge or reasonably, re well, not long, reasonably long term, uh, like a good pesto should. Very, very healthy wild garlic. And um, I mean, you know, the other thing is if you do have any space like a garden, um, if, if there is space to plant things, it can be done quite easily. You know, this is the right time of year to put things in. You could put in fruit trees, nut trees. You could plant uh, uh, lettuces. I mean, you know, if, if if you haven't got time or the the will to grow it from seed, you can buy seedlings. Not not too expensive. And this is just the right time to slap them in. It's all about the preparation of the soil beforehand. You know, uh, digging really deep. You know. And if you if you have any compost, well, add that. But it's preparing the ground underneath so the roots have an easy time uh, breaking through the soil. That's perhaps maybe the most important thing. Um, but there's very few things as rewarding as growing your own food. And if you can get the children interested in do, in, in helping, then they're much more likely to eat the salad or whatever it is that you want them to eat if they've seen it grow magically in front of their eyes. It takes, you know, whatever, six weeks or something to grow a lot of a, a lot of food products. You know, I think it's very rewarding. I'm looking out now and looking at the wild strawberries. That oh, lovely. Encouraging and apple blossom and so on. And uh, you know, a little bit of effort at the beginning can often really pay off. I've got huge rosemary bushes outside. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've tried this year to put in a few more herbs i've only got a tiny garden so i'm limited but uh trying to guess you know just thinking well what do i really like to eat and planting it yeah i mean i've i have the most incredible garden it's colossal uh but the ground is horrendous most of the grass is moss it's turning to moss and i'm, I'm no green fingered wizard uh and i don't know what to do i really don't know what to do because i'd like to have a section to grow food but i wouldn't know where to begin i don't know if the soil's right so maybe, Clive, you can come down for a weekend and have a look at my garden. Well, sure. I mean, what, one thing to consider is using potatoes. So let, let's say um, you didn't want to do anything at all. Um, what you could do is just lay, the, lay some potatoes down on the ground and then get some cardboard boxes and cut a hole where the potato is going to be, if, if you like. And right, OK. I'm going to do this now, actually. Go on. And then... You want um, some uh, a straw bale, right? Oh, you, right. You, you open up the straw bale, and you spread the straw bale out to a height of two foot. You know, one straw bale will go quite a long way. Yeah. And so now, now you've got the potatoes lying right on the surface, no digging. The cardboard with the hole in it, straw on top, a couple of foot deep, and uh, uh, water it if it's not raining, and come back. And 
you know, you can move a little bit of the stuff aside and you'll see there'll be loads of new potatoes right on top and the roots will be busy breaking up the soil beneath, right? Uh And so it does the digging for you. So next year, the, 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 the soil will be much better than trying to dig it right now. And then as time goes on, the potatoes, which are pretty much on the surface, they may, so some of them will be forming a couple of inches or a few inches underneath, but you, could, you, you should be able to move the soil aside with your hand. And the longer you leave them, the bigger and older the potatoes will get. Thank you very much. I, I can give you another suggestion also with potatoes. You get some chicken wire and make a circle. Like, like if you can imagine what an, an, a barrel, yeah, yeah, yeah. barrel of oil looks like or a wooden tub. So yeah. you, you make that of chicken wire and you put in a layer of straw, layer of soil, layer of potatoes, layer of soil, layer of straw, uh, potatoes, layer, layer of soil, layer of straw, potatoes. Uh, no, I've got it the wrong way around, sorry. Uh, layer of soil, potatoes, layer of, straw. layer of soil, potatoes, layer of straw. Okay. Like that. And then uh, it, it greens from every angle. Greens coming out the top and all around the sides like, like a green barrel. And then you start from the top. Uh, so the potatoes at the top will be uh, new potatoes after a couple of months. And by the time you get down the bottom, there'll be big old potatoes. So you can grow potatoes vertically. So you've only got, let's say... Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Right, OK, those are things to get on with then. Brilliant. Well, as I say, Clive's going to be on with Jason Nota tomorrow on Facebook Live under Jason Nota. Um, you can see him there. Uh, click on the link on the website to go direct to clivedecarl.com and the shop. Clive's going to be back next week, and I think we're going to start bringing in little cooking tips uh, on how to make things. So we've done the fermentation today, uh, and we'll do and we've done potatoes. So uh, I think we'll have some other tips next week. That's okay. Clive, you've got a week to think of uh, think of stuff up. All right. Thank you very much. I'll look forward to that. Fantastic. And I will be back uh, tomorrow with hopefully Roy Davis. And later in the week, we're going to be talking to Mr. Truth Bomb. Uh, I've got Tony Gosling coming on from Bristol FM. And uh, I think Clive's also going to be doing a show with Tony as well very soon. So that's it for now. Uh, uk. if you'd like to support the show. Please go to the website uh, and you can click support the show or if you'd like to advertise or sponsor a show, you know, happy to happy. That's it for now. Thanks, guys. God bless. You're beautiful, that's for sure. You'll never, ever fade. You're lovely, but it's not for sure. My love is great Though my love is true I'm like a bird I only fly away I don't know where my soul is I don't know where my home is And baby, all I need for you to know I'm like a bird I only fly away I don't know where my soul is
eventually 